Before I go into my message, two announcements very, very important. We want all these seats filled. We want all these seats filled up. There is a spirit of lukewarmness that has been brought into Christianity since COVID that we really need to pray out of, not just this church, but the church in general. It's happening everywhere. People don't want to come to church anymore. The Bible is still true. Don't forget the gathering of yourself together. There's a reason why that is in the scripture. So we need to pray. Every one of you need to pray that that spirit will be taken out of the churches so people can come back to church. Amen? Um, today, right after service, we're going to have uh, people at a, we have a visitor's desk. If you've been coming, if this is your second time, or if you've been coming for the last month, we have a gift for you. And those that came today, next week we'll have a gift for you. Amen? And then the last announcement, on the 31st of this month, is our women's brunch. But it's going to be a special brunch, because Amelia, if you all remember, Amelia, Nancy's daughter, she's getting married in August, right? Yeah. We want to do something, something nice for her. So we are going to be putting out an announcement for a little gift, even if it's $5. She's a child of this church. She grew up here for us to be able to buy a gift or give her just to bless her and her husband. Amen? So please, when you are coming to that meeting, make sure you come with a little gift for Amelia. This message I want to preach this morning is something that a lot of us here can relate with. Is because sometimes where you've seen and experienced a certain situation in your life long enough, maybe you've always tended to be a dep- have a depressive personality, you just get depressed easily and it's been that way. Or you've always been just underemployed, you just never have enough money to always make ends meet. Or you've had some chronic illness that just because you take that pill every day, you've kind of settled on that page. And you just think, well, this is always how it's going to be. I'm going to try this morning to encourage you to trust God again and see God turn it around. So the, the title, what I'll be talking to you all the next few minutes, is simply, God will turn it around. God will turn it around. Amen? And I'm going to read Genesis 18, 1 through 14, because some of the stuff I'll be using, a lot of it will be the truths we get, we will get from these scriptures here. So I'm going to start from Genesis 18, from verses 1 to 14. We are going to be looking at Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. He's called a friend of God. We all sing the song that we are the children of Abraham. So we are going to see what Abraham did when he was facing disappointment, when he was facing a situation in his life that seemed not to change for years and years and years. Let's see what he did that caused God to make a turnaround in his situation. Genesis 18 from verses 1 through 14. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. 
So he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. Verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He stood by them as they ate. Verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? saying, surely, shall I surely bear a son since I'm old? Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Amen? Amen. Let me refresh your memory a little bit before I start going and kind of giving you some truth from this scripture. If you remember in Genesis 15, the Lord came to Abraham. It was Abraham at that time. The Lord came to him in a vision and told him, oh, you are going to be blessed exceedingly great. And told him you are going to have a son, a child, from whom you are going to have descendants, as many as the stars in the sky, and as many as the sun in the seashore. And Abraham said, what will all that wealth do for me if I don't have a son? You know, he told him, you'll be exceedingly great. And Abraham said, what will all the wealth do for me if I don't have a son? And then God gave him a covenant of a son. That he said, you will have a son, that his descendants will be great and many. God said that, and then 10 years went by. He was 75 when God appeared to him in that vision. And then 10 years went by, and God was silent. Never said a word to Abraham again. When he believed God in that chapter 15, verse 6, he said, he believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness. So Abraham, in the eyes of God, was righteous. But 10 years, the righteous man was waiting for a promise that God gave him. (laughs) 
But you know what they did that 10 years? They went ahead of God, which is what we sometimes tend to do. When we've waited long enough and it's not happening, instead of letting God lead us, we say, okay, God, get out of the way. I'm going to lead you now. And we now take the driver's seat and try to do it on our own way. One thing I've noticed about God this few years I've been a Christian is that God is not obligated to bless what we get outside of him. He's not obligated to bless it. Anything you go ahead of God to get on your own because you couldn't wait for the promise to come the way he wanted it, God is not obligated to bless it. He's not. So when God slows down, don't go ahead of him. If you're young here, listen to me. Don't say because he's so cute, I'm going to change him. I'm going to, you know, he understands me very well. When I talk to him, he listens, but he's not a child of God. If you go ahead of God, you will live in a marriage that will be miserable, that will probably end up in divorce, that if you had waited for God's own person, you would have been happy, although you might have had to wait a little longer. Amen? So they went ahead of God. But God still didn't do anything. He waited another 13 years. Another 13 years. Do you think maybe, I don't know, maybe after that 10 years of waiting, instead of going ahead of God, they decided, you know what, why don't we go back to him and ask him some questions. Why? You know, God, does, God doesn't mind us asking him why. I want you to understand that. God doesn't, he says, come, let us reason together. That's his scripture. He doesn't mind you coming to him and say, God, why is this happening? He will let you know. He will let you know. But God waited another 13 years before God showed up again. So we've had 10 plus we have another 13. So that was 23 years of waiting for a promise that God told you would happen. But this time when God came, Abraham was now 86 years old, actually 85. When, when Ishmael was born, he was 86. So he was 86 years old. And when God now showed up 13 years later, he was now 99 years old. 99 when God finally showed up. And God reminded him, I didn't forget. I didn't forget what I told you I was going to do. And that's what I'm here to tell some of you this morning. God has not forgotten you. God is not silent because he's forgotten you. God is still on your side. So even if you feel stuck in that page, even if you feel that situation has been there for so long, God still has you on his mind. We don't understand the ways of God. As Christians, we want it to happen now. But God has a way of not coming too late, but certainly not too early too. We just have to learn to know that once he's given you his word, you can hang on to that word no matter how long it takes. He's not a man that he lies. He doesn't lie. Amen? Amen. But when God came, when Abraham was 99 years old, God did something a little different. 
And those are the things I'm going to start sharing tonight, uh, this morning, to show you as you wait for the Lord to consider some of these things we're going to talk about that we see in chapter 18, the verses I just read. When God came in chapter 17, he did two things different. The first thing he did was he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham, you all know that means father of multitudes. So God said again, like Shelley said just now when she was up here, God said, okay, I'm going to stop you from saying you are just exalted father of Ishmael to ex- uh, uh, father of multitudes, the promise I gave you. So after that, when Abraham introduced himself, do you, I mean, we think, we read these things now, and we think, well, he just called himself Abraham after God told him, your name is no longer Abraham. But he's a man like us. Would you imagine if you've been waiting to have a child for 24 years, and everybody knows you as father of, uh, exalted father. Now you're going to meet them and say, hi, my name, I've changed my name. My name is now Father of Multitude. Do you think people will look at him and say, yeah? They probably mocked him. They probably said things about him. was like, look at this man. He's, he's just out of his mind. But that's what he started calling himself. And then God said, the next thing to do, you're going to have to circumcise not only yourself at 99, but everybody, every male child, from youngest to the oldest So he did it. He obeyed God. And what does the scripture say about circumcision for us now? He says in Deuteronomy 10, 16, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. And then in Colossians 2, 11, it says in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands By putting off in the body, the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. So for us, what we say about who we are when we are waiting and the things in our hearts are very important. Because you will notice that once those things were done by Abraham, God didn't didn't take but a year. God showed up. God showed up. It was now time for God to show up. So there are things that's talking the way God wants you to talk. And we say it all the time, but it is not easy, really. When you don't have money in the bank to pay bills, to tell somebody, you know what, I have more than enough. It's not easy because even yourself, you feel like you're lying. But anytime you say what God has said about you, you are agreeing with him. Don't care how, how your body feels. Oh, that's not, that's not true. If God says you have more than enough, say that. Even if you don't have anything in your bank. If God says you're healed and you have to take 20 pills in the morning, another 20 in the afternoon, another 20 in the night, as you're taking the pills, what are you saying? I'm the healed of Christ. People around you might think, yeah, there she goes again. Or there he goes again. But those are the things that are essential. Those are the things you need to start causing your turn around to start happening. 
And that is where I think we have the problem. As Christians, areas of sin, open sin, we're we, we okay. You know, I think most of us are okay with that. There are some secret sins that, yeah, we might deal with. But I think the mouth, most of us have not had speech therapy from God. We all really need to have speech therapy from God, me included. Because we don't talk right. We, do, we don't. And that is crucial. But then, let's go into the scriptures. I have some time. Let's see what Abraham did. And I really pray that as I speak, you know, this, this thing, this nugget, you may have read this before, and I read it before. But as I was going through it line by line, I, begin, I began to see some things that I never saw before. And I said, wow, God had to turn it around for him. God really had to because everything he did when these three men showed up was not something that someone who has been waiting that long would do. Some of us, after a while, we, we just turn our backs to God. You've given me a promise this long. You are not who you say you are. Some of us turn bitter and turn our, li- our lives away, our, our hearts away from God and begin to do things our own way because he takes someone who is really stuck to the Lord to stay with the Lord and keep doing some things even when you don't feel like it. Even when it hurts, you're still doing it. Even when you're in pain, you're still doing it. Even when you don't know what next to do, you've looked here, you've, been, you've done all you know to do, you still keep doing it. That's what Abraham showed in the scriptures here that I'm going to go over. The first thing Abraham did in 18, after he had circumcised himself and after he had had some speech therapy, in Genesis 18:1, where the scriptures we read, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terrific trees of Mary, Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. The New Living Translation says he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Sitting down spiritually means a lot. Anywhere you see sitting down in the Bible, that's someone who is at rest and someone who trusts. So Abraham had finally reached a place of resting in God and trusting in God. Because he was sitting down. That is important. Are you sitting down? Are you trusting? Are you resting? Are you saying, God, even if you don't do this for me, you've blessed me enough? Even if my situation doesn't change, I will still be serving you. Even if I have to go to church, just finish crying my eyes out, I will still serve you. That's where Abraham got to. He was at rest and he was trusting God. And it says here, he was sitting in the tent door or in the entrance of his tent door in the heat of the day. The Bible, they're always meaning under each thing you read. 
Doors are very, very important. Doors into your home. Doors lead outside, out of the home. You let people in. You let things in by the door. Nothing, nobody comes through the window. When they come through the window, you yourself will know that's a thief or a robber. We are the ones that open the door for people to come in. You are the same one that will shut the door when you don't want them anymore when they leave. No wonder Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. Jesus didn't say, I stand at the window. That's very significant. Because the doors in your life, if you're not sitting down at the door in your life, a lot of things will come in that you don't want to. What are the doors in our life? Our eyes, our ears, our mind. We've already talked about the mouth a little bit. Those are the doors you must make sure you're sitting down in front of. What you allow your eyes to see while you're waiting on the Lord. What you allow your ears to hear. What people tell you that will discourage you, that will tell you, ah, please, this is God you said you're serving. Be careful what you allow into your ears. And be careful yourself. If you find your own thoughts going crazy, rebuke yourself. It is not a sin to rebuke yourself. Because sometimes you can start with one thought, and before you know it, you have your own self taking a rope and tied yourself down. Just because of where you allowed your mind to go. The strongholds of the mind. Those are doors you have to make sure you are sitting down firmly and refusing anything to come in. Guard your doors and be in a position of rest. Genesis chapter 18 verse 2. After he had rested, after he was trusting the Lord, and after he had guarded his doors, verse 2 said, So he lifted his eyes. And looked. Until you rest, really, and trust, and until you learn to guard your doors, you are not going to be looking up expectantly for what God is going to do. Because sometimes we look down too much because we are not trusting Him, we are looking down. When you are looking down, this is all you can see. But when I lift my eyes up, look at how many people I can see. After he did that, the Bible says, so he lifted up his eyes and what? He looked. I mean, the Bible has a way of saying things. When you look up, are you closing your eyes? You're looking, right? But no, it's telling you that Abraham was looking for something. He was expecting something. Don't ever go to God. Don't ever come here to church or anywhere to be with God and not look for something. Look, even if it's just one word, one scripture you take home with you for the week. If you come into God's presence, make sure you are expecting something. Make sure you are looking up to something, looking up for something. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And the Bible says, and behold, three men were standing by him. Standing already by him. Before, for some reason, I thought he saw them coming because we were told he ran. So you're thinking he saw them coming. No. When he lifted up his eyes, when he was expectant, all of a sudden he noticed that there were people, three men right there. 
How long have those three men been there if he was not looking up? Your help might be right there, but you're not seeing it because you're not expecting anything. Your help might be right beside you in your house, around you, but because you've not looked for it, you're not expecting anything to happen, nothing happens. So he looked up, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the ground. Humility. Humility. Do you think it was easy for a 99-year-old man to bow down to the ground? I, I don't think I'm 56, but if I do that, it'll probably take me a while to get back to my feet. But you saw the, see the humility in this man? And these were strangers. He didn't know who they were. But he ran to them and bowed himself to the ground. I'm giving you things that as you're waiting on the Lord for you to remember not to forget to do. Things that you must always have in the back of your mind. Strangers, people he didn't know. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verses 3 to 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambitions or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let, esteem, let each esteem others better than himself. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And who humbles himself will be exalted. As believers... Sometimes we do things we don't even know comes across as being prideful. You see someone who may not be in the same, what you think, in the same class that you think you are. Just to go sit, talk to them, sit down and talk to them is difficult. Because you live or you have a certain kind of car or whatever, you now think other people that don't meet up to their expectation are somewhat below you. We've had people in this church, we've been pastors now for quite a while. We've seen some, I've seen some things and I'm just like, God, please, no matter how much you bless me and no matter what you've ever given me, let me never think I'm better than anybody. Let me never think I, I'm the one that gave that to myself. Because the Bible says all blessings come from Him. Even the air we breathe comes from Him. If you ever find yourself thinking you know it better, only I can do it well. Only I'm, I, I, without me. Oh, if I leave, if I leave the, the, the thing will crumble. You are not that important. You're really not that important. You're really not that important. Even if you're the one giving all the money to run the church. If you now think because of that you can talk to someone anyhow, when God moves you away, he'll bring somebody that even has much more. Be humble. Let God, let God be number one. Everything you have is his anyway. He can call you home like that. And you leave everything behind. So stay humble before the Lord. 
stay humble before the Lord. I'm going to read verses 3 to 8 now and bring out another point. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, this was after he bowed down. If I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the trees. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. Can you still see the humility? Then they told him, do as you have said. Now look at this. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham himself ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, and gave it to a young man. And he hastened to prepare it. Listen to that. He didn't say the young man. He gave it to the young man, but the Bible says he hastened to prepare it. And I believe that was Abraham, and I'll let you know why. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which who? He. He would have said the servant then. He didn't say that. He said, which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. It's a whole lot there, a whole lot. Before then, let me remind you. These are strangers. These are people that Abraham doesn't know. He doesn't know at this point who they are. He goes to Sarah and asks Sarah to use the fine meal, not the coarse meal. In the, in the Hebrew tradition, they have different kinds of flour they use. The fine meal is the top, top, top one. It's the one you use to make the bread that is really soft and, and, and nice, like the ones we, we like the best, soft and, and nice. That's the one he asks Sarah to prepare. And now remember also, this man is rich. Abraham is very rich. In, what was the scripture? Where he talked about 318, I'll get there, I'm getting ahead of myself. When he was going to war to get Lot back from Sodom, he had 318 servants that were born in his own home. That was in chapter 14 of Genesis. So this man had in his home servants that were born in his home. I think 318, right? Yeah, 318. We're not talking about their moms, their dads, or the girls. These were young men. So Abraham had money. He had servants. But he himself was the one that the Bible says he was hurrying to get this thing done. He went to Sarah, and Sarah was the one that prepared the bread. He himself ran to the herd and picked the best calf and gave it to a servant, maybe to just getting ready to kill it. He himself went again, took the milk and everything, prepared it, and he himself served these people. This is a rich man. His servants could have done all of this, but he chose to do it. You see why God had to turn his situation around? You see the heart that Abraham now had at this time? Do we talk to people, only those that we know? Like I said, this all of this is happening. He's running around doing all of this for people he didn't know. But the Bible says that when we show hospitality to strangers in Hebrews 13:2, we have done this. When we do that, we might be entertaining angels 
unaware. He took that scripture because of what Abraham did here. That when you entertain strangers, you might have angels that you are actually ministering to or entertaining that will change your situation. So do you talk to... Let's bring it home. When you are in church, who are those that you talk to? Do you talk to only those that you know? Do you sit down with only those that you know? You don't know if that stranger that is there is the one God is going to use you to turn your situation around. And you just walk by your blessing. We do that a lot. In church, we form cliques. You have your friends, you have your seat, you see that, and that's your seat. Every Sunday, that's where you sit. Visitors come in, nobody says hi to them. You just, and the Bible says, if you entertain strangers, you might be entertaining angels, not even being aware of it. Blessings, in, in the little I know, breakthroughs and blessings always come from someone that you, did some, that you didn't know that you did something for, and they are so impressed by what you did, and then you found, found out later that they are really the person that could make that big change in your life, and you're like, oh my God. And if you didn't do what you did, you would have missed a big, big moment. How many moments of blessings are we missing? Both even in church and in the, out there, in the secular world, just because of maybe our attitude, the way we talk to people, the way we relate to people, you just walk by your blessing, not knowing that this man or this woman could have made a big, huge change in your turnaround. That wasn't Abraham. He did those things he did for people he didn't even know. And then, what really touched me the most was that he served them the meal he had prepared, and the Bible said he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He didn't eat with them. Remember what time of the day it was. It was in the heat of the day. So we are thinking maybe between 12 noon and 2 p.m., 3 p.m., That was the time for his lunch, too. So he was probably hungry. He ran around, did all of that for these strangers. Served them. And then stood by. He didn't sit this time. He stood just to watch them eat. And he was standing because if they had another request, anything else they needed, he was ready to do it. So he stood at attention waiting for them to eat when he himself was hungry. Can you be happy to see someone being blessed and you rejoice when you have not been blessed? When you are hungry yourself and you see God feeding somebody else with what you need, you desperately need, can you say, God, I thank you for my brother, I thank you for my sister, without having that feeling? Why not me? Why them? Abraham was willing to stay hungry and have somebody else blessed and have somebody else eat, eat, eat their meal that he prepared. 
Maybe you, it was through you. Maybe your counseling you gave them. Maybe how you helped them, what you told them to do. Worked for them, but it didn't work for you. What do you do at that time? How do you handle disappointment in life? How do you serve God when things are not going the way you should, you should go? What do you do? We had someone one time said, I've been believing God for God to do this, do that. I've prayed, but I, I'm not coming to church anymore because we called to find out why they were not in church. And she said, I've believed God for so long and it's not happened that this thing of faith is not working for me. And I said, no. It's working. You just don't know how to be patient. Because God will not work by your schedule. God has his own schedule. You keep on serving him. Even when your heart is broken. You keep on serving him. Even when you have tears in your eyes. You keep on doing what he's called you to do. Even when you don't know your breakthrough. If it will come or when it will come. You have to have the stamina. It takes stamina to serve God. Stamina to keep praising and dancing. When all you want to do is just go lie down and cry. That's what Abraham did. He didn't, have what he, he didn't have what he's been praying for, but he had reached a point where he was ready to serve strangers and do everything to make them comfortable. He didn't know that these people were going to turn his life around. We know the story. We know how it ended. But he didn't have a clue. These were just people that showed up, and he did all of this for them. When his heart was heavy, when he was in pain, God had promised me now, it's 25 years later. I'm now 99 years old. His body was dead. Sarah had no more egg in her and he had no more seed. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. How are we when we've waited and waited and waited and it's not happening? When you're in a marriage that you've been asking God to change and no change has come, how do you do? What do you do? How do you handle that? When you've been asking God for a mate and it's not happened, how do you handle that disappointment? When you're asking God to turn your situation around and it's, not, it's getting worse, what do you do? When you're asking God to bless you with a child and you're getting close to menopause, how do you talk to God? What do you do? These are questions that we, each one of us, we have to ask ourselves because life, even for the believer, requires crushing. If you've not read that book by T.D. Jakes, I, I, I implore you, go get that book and read it. Because until God crushes you, no wine will come out. The emblem of Christianity is the cross. Each one of us must bear their own cross, whatever that cross may be. But how do you bear your cross? Remember, even Jesus carrying his cross, at one point, 
God sent Simon of Cyrene, of Cyrene to him. Always remember things in the Bible, the significance. God didn't let the, 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 the cross crush Jesus until he got to where, what he was supposed to do, his purpose. The cross, the cross you are bearing, there's a Simon the Cyrene coming your way. He's coming. But how you handle it with the focus of where you are going is important. And we see that in the life of Abraham. How he handled disappointment. Having waited 25 years. Away with Christians who want things to be good all the time. Away with Christians who want to be happy all the time. Away with Christians who want to serve God of convenience. If it's not convenient for me, I won't serve him. If it's raining, I can't go to church, it's raining. Excuse me. I didn't pay my bill this month, God, you know. Away with you if that's how you do your Christianity. That's not who God wants. We have to show the world. So that when they need help, they come to you because they've seen that you have a backbone. That you have metal. That you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not easily pulled apart. That's what they're looking for. If they're falling apart and you're falling apart, who's going to help who? If they're crying and you're crying, who's going to help who? Even when you're weak, you say, I'm strong. Let the enemy come and meet you. Speaking what the word has said to speak. That's what makes the difference. A way with convenience. I mean, I've seen people, they they say they walked 10 miles to be in church. And they're coming to a church, there's no air conditioning. They might have two or three windows. And it's 150 degrees, 15 degrees. And they are packed like sardines. And they still have so much joy. They still have so much joy. If you're looking for happiness, Christianity is not the place for you. If you want to be happy, you don't want to be a Christian. Because you won't get it. Joy. 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 Joy keeps you above. Joy makes you shine. There are some of you here, if you opened up and we saw what you were going through, you say, why is she in church this morning? Why is he here this morning? You mean you are going through that? But here you are this morning, right? Because you know the God you serve is able. God waited. You know, everything God does is not sometimes. 99.9 times, everything he does makes no sense. So if you want God to make sense, you're not supposed to be a Christian. God does not make sense. 
That's why the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He will never make sense to you. So forget trying to make him, uh, what word, trying to make sense out of what he's doing. Why would he, think about it. Why, okay. Why would he wait till the man was 99 years old? I mean, when he first came to Abraham and he told him to leave his family and his people, he was already married. Why didn't he give him? I mean, if you know he's going to be the father of all of us here today, why make him go through all of that? What, what was the problem? Have you ever thought about that? Why not just give him a son at the age of 30? Everybody gets married and have children, right? Mm-hmm. Why would a man who believed you and you counted it for him for righteousness, the one you called your friend, why would you make him wait until he's 99 years old when he doesn't have any more seed? And his wife is 80, almost 90 years old. Excuse me? You know why? Because if they had done it, actually it's because of us here. God looked ahead and saw all of us and said, you know what? If I'm going to make this story really, mm, I need to make it where Abraham and, and Sarah cannot say, ah, we had a part to play in it. Can you imagine when you get to heaven and you meet Abraham and Sarah? They will tell you it was dead, dead, dead. We had no part to play in it. And that's it with us too. Sometimes God will make it to the point where you know the situation is dead. Because all the while you're still kind of thinking, maybe I can, I can contribute a little bit, right? And God says, you're not ready yet. Maybe I can still do something. Mm-mm, you're not ready yet. He waited until everything had dried up before he showed up. Because he wanted to prove, again, like he says in the scripture, with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. So do you think that God is silent in your situation? Or do you think that God is mad at you? It's so easy. So what did I do wrong? Maybe something I did that God is angry. Or do you think he's forgotten you? Look at what he's doing for Sister B and Brother A. And I've been asking. No, no, no. He's not. He's not forgotten you. He's not mad at you. He's silent because he knows what he's doing. Amen. Hear what he said to Sarah when she laughed in disbelief. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, right, God. She didn't even know it was God. She just said, yeah, right. This time of year, by this time next year, me. And God said, is anything, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. He says, at the appointed time, Sarah, 
I will return to you. According to the time of life. And Sarah, you shall have a son. So as I end this morning, Amy, send me back there. Please come up here. I want to just, if you're here today and you're, you're like, that, that, that is me. I believe like I've been waiting and I've been trusting God for so long. This one situation, nothing has changed. As Amy starts to play, I just want you to come, get up and come to the front. I'm here, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm in the same, same, same boat this morning. But our God is a faithful God, amen? Let's come together and let's thank him. Because he knows what he's done. He's not a man that he lies. He's not the son of man that he repents. Yeah, just stand there. If you want to come out here, you can, but if you just want to stand. No matter how long it's been, God can still turn it around. Amen? God can still turn it around. Don't you ever give up on him. Because he's not giving up on you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Just trust that he knows his ways are so much higher than our ways. Use this time to get close to him. Use this time to get to know him, know your father. For Abraham, it took him finally circumcising, taking some things out of his heart, out of his flesh. It took him beginning to speak what God said he was. I don't know what the situation is. Maybe you've been speaking the right things and you don't have anything you want to, to take out of your life. But just trust that God knows what he's done. Just trust that at the end you will know and that God will come through for you. He will turn the table and he will turn the page. And keep serving him. With tears in your eyes, keep serving him. When you don't understand, keep serving him. When you don't know which way to go, say, Lord, I trust you. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for believers who can stand the test, who will not break under the pressure. You are the ones that he can use. When things are too easy, we don't tend to stick close to him as much. Raise your hands. Let's pray. I'm here with you. Father God, I thank you this morning. I thank you that Jesus showed us by himself. He said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup away from me. But he says, it's not my will, but yours. Because he saw what the purpose was. He saw what you were going to do with him. How we today, the children of God, will come only if he went through what he was going to go through. Father, whatever situation... 
each and everyone standing before you right now is going through in their lives. God, we know that you know that you know that you know. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are in their past, you are in their present, and you are in their future. Nothing escapes you. You are as close to them as their own breath. You said you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. Just like Abraham, you counted it for him for righteousness, just because he believed you. We know these ones are righteous before you because they believe you. Father, we know that at the appointed time, at the appointed time, what they are waiting on and what they are believing for will be manifested. They will handle it, they will see it, and their mouth will testify of it. They will see it, they will handle it, and their mouth will testify of it. And you will use their lives to show to the world what it means to trust God. What it means to stand on the word. What it means to believe and to keep going even when we don't yet see the answer. Lord, we trust you. We are at rest. We are looking up to you. We are looking up to you expectantly, Lord. Knowing that when we do, the help is right there. If we need to serve, Lord, show us where to serve. Our condition will not make us pull back from serving. We will serve even more. We will wait on you even more. Until our breakthrough comes. Until the table is turned in our favor. Until you turn the page in our favor. Until you turn things around in our life. We give you praise today. We give you glory. And we thank you for what you are going to do. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Keep doing what you are doing. That's what makes God proud. Don't let the enemy make you stop. Keep doing what you are doing. Even if you have tears in your eyes, keep doing it. Even if you don't see the next step. It is well. Father, we thank you. As we leave your presence here, we know you are going with us. Give us a beautiful, great week. Let your favor surround us as a shield, as you promised us in Psalm 12, verse 5. That the favor of the Lord surrounds us with a shield. We thank you that you are in our life. We thank you that you are our God. To you be all the praise, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You 
you may be dismissed.